Welcome to the podcast today. My guest today was in Dubai all the way from the UK. He's basically, he was in Dubai catching up with his clients. Last weekend, he was also speaking at the National Achievers Congress, where he was sharing the stage with the likes of Gary Vee, Grant and Elena Cardone. So before I welcome Harry to the podcast today, first, I'd just like to explain to you the way that this podcast is structured because it's a little bit back to front. Now, unfortunately, um, when I went to extract the audio from my digital recorder, a good percentage of it was missing. So I've got about 14 minutes of you of it from my digital recorder, which is really good audio. The rest of the podcast, which is the whole, the full podcast, I extracted from my phone. The audio isn't as great, but rather than have that at the beginning and put you off, I thought I'd have the good audio to begin with, and then I'd have the full podcast after that. So if you want to listen to the full podcast, stay tuned, because after about 14 minutes, it will go into flow. And all I can say is, look, I'm really sorry. I want to bring you very good quality recordings here. I've got all the equipment that I need to be able to do that. Um, sometimes I have little hiccups and like I did with this one, I don't want it to happen again. Because when you've got a guest such as Harry that's giving you his time and giving you gold, you know, the last thing you want to do is to mess it up. But anyway, so like I say, we've got the first 15 minutes is really good audio. After that, it's a little bit crackly, but see what you think. Stay tuned, listen on. And if you're happy with it, listen right to the end because there's some really good content on here. If you would like to watch the video, I've uploaded this onto YouTube. Okay, I hope you guys enjoy. The first question I'm asking Harry about mentors, I've asked him how important mentors are in his life and has he had any specific mentors that he would like to mention and what the best advice is that he's been given from a mentor over the years? So my, my take on it about mentoring one thing I really want to get across is that when we think of mentoring, it's usually we're looking for someone who's doing what we want to do. And when I started at 16, 17, 18, 19, in my, and I was like, cool, who, it wasn't a case of you go and find someone that's doing it. One, it used to be like, oh, it's going to cost us money. But I sometimes find mentors, some usually are the people that are already around you rather than going and searching and the key distinction I want to get across to a lot of people is just having someone who's doing what you want to do is not enough. You definitely want to be around those people, but there's an extra few criteria what makes an effective mentor, and that is this. So if I look at myself, I'm speaking, I speak global, I, can, I make an income from speaking, I'm around other speakers, and I have, some, I have the lifestyle that most people might want as a speaker. But what if I couldn't show other people how to do it? So this is that point where not only does the person need to be doing what you want to do, they need to be able to show you how to do it. They need to be someone that can coach you as well as just be a mentor, someone that's doing it. And then there's a third part I found out. If I started to coach and mentor people to start their business or develop their speaking business, 
Check area? Okay. So if I wanted to show someone, if I told them to do what I did when I started out, they'd be lost. So there's three parts to it. One, the person has to be doing what you want to do or at the level or in that area that you want to do. Second, they have to be able to show you how to do it. And the third thing, they have to be able to show you how to do it from where you're at. And this is what I find is many of the people that I work with privately or even through the group programs, especially the ones that want to become professional speakers, they look at me and they think, oh, you haven't got this, you haven't, because I don't need it. I'm at a different level. So for example, I don't need to do certain things because I've got endorsements for people, I've got my market, I've got my thing, but then I have to be aware of that and think, oh, they can't do what I'm doing and I can't do what they're doing. So you have to know what you're doing. You have to be able to show people how to do it. You have to be able to show them how to do it from where they're at. So that's my take on mentoring. When it comes to me and my mentor, I look at mentors. It's a bit different with coaches and mentors as overlap. I look at a mentor as someone who's telling me what to do. I look at mentors as consultants. So if I want to do Facebook advertising, I'm going to get myself a consultant, someone who is doing it, doing it well, is getting results, and they can show other people how to do it. If they can show other people, they can show me. But they need to know where I'm at and so on. So I have people in that area. And then you talk, mentors are like life mentors. Some of my clients turn around and go, Harry, like, uh, you're not my speaker coach anymore. You're like my life mentor. You've helped me when it, I had to before I got married, you had me when you know you looked after me in this transition. When I went from a you know a small business to a multi-million dollar, and they just go, this guy has been there for me over years. Remember, most of the young people that went through youth leadership programs who are now 28, 30 years old, running businesses. They're like, oh, he's my mentor, and people go, oh, is he your speaker coach? They go, no, he's just my mentor. So we have this concept of who do we look out to? How do we model? Um, and, you know, Tony Robbins there, Deepak Chopper's there, Wayne Dyer's there, getting to meet these people. But now it's more a case of, it's like masterminding. People who are playing at the top of their game, they may not necessarily be the people that I want to do what they do. It's more for me, that type of mentoring is, how do they keep me to a standard? You know, people like, uh, there's a guy like Mac Hatran. A lot of people know this guy. Travels around the world speaking, talks of business. But he'll hold me to a standard because it's about you become the expectation of your peer group. So that is another part of um, are they mentors in life mentors? And then you look up to people. Mentor for me is Princess Diana. So did she teach me how to speak? No. Did she sit me down and tell me what to do? No. It's how she lived her life. So there are many people like that for me. The thing is, so many people spend so much money on their education. I remember I did a three-year degree, two-year MA, and I had the opinion when I finished my studies that that's it, I'm not going to read another book, <laughs> and you know, I've done my bit, and really that should have just been the beginning. And the thing is, like so many people out there I did a university course and an MA course that wasn't really aligned to me. Um, so my education really started outside of the traditional forms of, of university, but because I'd studied for so long, and probably because I'd hate it, I didn't particularly enjoy it. Mm. I was just doing it because I felt that that's what I had to do. Yeah. Um, 
you know, and it, it wasn't until I really started learning again. And I've only just started, like, investing in more courses, really, like, um, in the last couple of years. And it has helped me massively. And um, and it is something... I, look, I haven't... There's a, a big industry for this in, in, in the Middle East. You know, I'm part of WhatsApp groups with over about three different groups, all with people that are, you know, with over 100 people on some of these groups, they're all interested in the personal development and they spend so much money on these. Mm. Like, you know, they really are like seminar junkies. Um, I wouldn't say I'm, I'm to that extreme, but I think you've got to be very selective about who you choose to work with, about what you spend your money on. But I think it's so important that if you want to kind of progress and to develop... Um, well, I covered, in life I and business. On, when I spoke at NAC, my bit was about mindset. And one mm -hmm. of the bits about mindset is spenders versus investors. Mm -hmm. You made a great point. You know, Many people go to university, especially UK and so on. You go to university, it's £9,000 a year, or it's like £20,000, £30,000 that you put into it. And people are coming out of that degree going, yeah, I had a great time, but I don't know what I'm going to do with this. So, And at the same time, People go, someone's charging me £10,000 for a program. And they're like, ugh, but yet... It's crazy, isn't it? You just give £30,000 to come out with a couple of letters after your name, right? There's no guarantees in jobs. But the real thing is this. There are people paying for education, and there are people paying for courses and programs. And then there are people who are investing. The people who are investing are very clear about the outcome that they want. An investor would never go into a degree course and come out of that with nothing, right? So this mindset, many people come to me, and when they invest with me, I always say that my ideal clients are investors. They're not paying for me, they're paying for the transformation of the programs that I have and what that can deliver them. And they're looking for a greater return than what they've invested. So what that means is, I'm not cheap. I charge six figures for some of my clients to work with me for a year. But I want you to be clear is I also I can deliver a program for like $100. It's not about me. That's not my worth. It's the value of the program and what it is who I want to give it to. What I deliver in a day, it can be more value than someone's charging thousands for. But it's for that specific market. I want to do it. But when it comes back to this, investing in ourselves should be the biggest thing we do. But you're absolutely right. Be selective, but don't pay Investing in yourself means going in there, going. I'm going to invest this. What am I getting out of it? What are the like? Don't just go. I've got a course, because many providers, and I'm not going to knock people. I mention name. Many people go. Hey, you'll go on this course and you'll get a certificate at the end of it. Great. That's like the university style. That's like the education type system. You had the course. Well, what more do you want? Oh, it didn't guarantee you're going to make money from it. Didn't guarantee you're going to get clients from it. I just gave you a system. You've got to work it. So with my clients, it's like, you know, like I spend all day with this guy here, you know, he's going to get results. So that's what it is. We're in a results game. And if you're investing in yourself, that return on investment is tenfold. You should be expecting a lot more because whether you're investing in speaking, whether you're investing in trading, whether you're investing in social media, or you want to invest in social media. If you're going to invest in social media so you have a million followers and you don't do anything with it, did you invest so you could become famous? If you did, would be do you got it. But if you invested in social media to get a return, to get income, with to, then 
you've got to put the work in, but you've really got to be investor mindset. Look, if I'm putting in 5,000, I want at least 10,000 back. If I'm investing 100,000, then this thing should be able to give me more. So mm. think of it like that. Mm. Do, not, do not question whether investing in yourself is a good idea. Mm-hmm. Always do it. So for people that would like to work with you who live in the Middle East, how, is that, how does that work? You travel over here a lot? Well, right now, uh, because Motaz Michal is a client of mine and a partner of mine, I have another young guy um, who is a successful business owner in Palestine. He lives in Jordan. He's another client of mine. This guy here, like I said, Mohammed, um, he is a successful businessman from Yemen. I have a young lady who is a senior mechanical engineer in Abu Dhabi. She's the only female in like a team of 500 people. They're all amazing speakers. They all want to take it to the next level. They're all service oriented. And I realized, hang on, I'm pointing in so much energy here just because I started with Motors Machine. I've decided the next two or three years for me will be putting my energy into the Middle East and UAE. So I'll be running lots more one-day speaker training programs. I'm actually going to do train the trainer for some of my partners and clients to deliver my programs in Arabic because I don't speak Arabic fully. I'm picking up a few bits and pieces. So it's the same. You know, you go on harrysinger.com. But more importantly, you know, connect with the guys that were already mentioned. Uh, I will be here because I would go into every Arabic-speaking country with Motaz Michal. Um, same thing with Noor from uh, Jordan. And, you know, you can what you already knew. Mm. Many of the promoters, many of the speakers, like you just reeled off a whole bunch of people who were like 30 minutes down the road from us. And they're all here. Some are coming because they have a misunderstanding of the market. Some are coming because they surf. So while I'm learning about the, the market here, I'm learning about culture. I'm learning about speak, training speakers who are delivering in Arabic. So much that goes into it because when you translate it from English to Arabic, there's so many changes to it. It's about how you deliver, what this culture like. So I've had that investment in there, still learning. So for people in the Middle East, UAE, I'm here. For the next two or three years, I'm going to be concentrating on making sure I raise a generation of great speakers and orators to help them in their life. And the ones that want to do it from a business perspective, then it's the same thing. Choose whether you want to become a better speaker, professional speaker. And the simple thing is, everything's on the website, but for people who want to become a professional speaker, there's an application form. I select who comes on our programs, because it ain't easy. And I'm looking for people who bring, in the, bring out the best in me, so if they don't do the work, What's the point of them investing their money? I'm not okay. going to do that, right? But I'm also interested in those that have a social objective behind them as well. Okay, that's fantastic. Where can people find you, Harry? Harrysinger.com. Okay. Right? Harrysinger.com. Instagram, Facebook. Yeah, it's all on this. I think with this, with some of them, it's Harry Singer, the speaker coach. But if you put Harry Singer, you'll find it on Instagram. Um, it's there. But it's like, you know, definitely check out those guys that said, like, if you're following Motaz Michal, especially if you're in the Middle East, come he's, to one of his events he's a very big name over here huge so huge. you know and I don't think a lot of people realise that you've coached him so you but know that's I, fantastic I, this, this brings on an interesting thing I always said I can watch speakers and know who they've been trained by mm. and someone else that did I had a radio interview in the UK they went you said that once how do people know who's been trained by you and I remember the first thing that came out of my mouth I said they don't <laughs> so I thought now I've got to back it up and I said why because I train speaker coaches with the systems and tools and then I ask them to be authentic that brings in them 
and it's authentic with purpose. So even if there are things that we say, oh, this is something that we advise not to do, but if you're going to do it, let's compensate for it, make sure you actually achieve mm -hmm. the purpose. So I'm more interested in growing speakers and letting them be celebrities in their area. But um, for those people in their community, they will know exactly okay. who I am. That's great. Fantastic. Thank you so much for being a guest, Harry. My pleasure. Really appreciate your time today. You're listening to The Simply Flawsome Show, a podcast designed for you to listen, learn, and leverage. Please welcome your host, Zoe Turner. My, my guest today... Sorry. My guest... <laughs> on my guest today, I am singer. Wow, that's a podcast in the world. <laughs> My guest today is in Dubai all the way from the UK. So he's been in Dubai catching up with his clients and speaking at NAC, the National Achievers Congress, uh, where he's been sharing the stage with the likes of Gary Ree, Grant Cardone and Eleanor Cardone. So I'd like to welcome Harry Signer to the podcast today. Hi, Harry. Hello, thank you very much. Thank you for um, agreeing to be on the podcast and it's good to finally meet you after all these years because mm -hmm. we've actually been Facebook friends for, what, like 10, about 10 years? I'll stop counting. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we've never actually met. I know you were in Dubai, I think it was probably about a year ago and I never got to see you so yeah, it's really good to kind of connect with you here. So to kick this off, tell us a little bit about your trip to Dubai. Um, what are you doing here? And this current trip? Yes. Okay, so like you said, I was a speaker at the NAC UAE 2019. So I came as a speaker, also took on a role as an MC with the amazing Anna Roberts. And so I came for that. And then I have clients, I have speaking clients here in the UAE. Uh, and usually when I work with my clients, I start off with like a three day or a five day intensive. So I have a new client here in Dubai. And we're currently in the second day of our three-day program, so I'm seeing clients here. But because I've got quite a few clients in the Middle East, I will try and get to see as many as I can. So another one will fly in tomorrow, or hang out, or do work, or work on their speaking, and we just have fun. So mm -hmm. and then I get back home in a couple of days. Okay, it's fantastic. So for the listeners that don't know, um, can you give us a little bit of your backstory on what it is that you you do actually do? Okay, sure. And. Um, yeah. No worries, uh, I'm Harry Singer, I'm a speaker coach. So as a speaker coach, that's my main business, coaching and mentoring people. Um, so through the online programs, through workshops and through mentoring. But uh, the other part that people will know me for is, I'm passionate about two things, service leadership and creating world-class speakers. So where does that come from? Background-wise is, I've been doing what I do since the age of 16 years old and so most of my earlier part was all about youth leadership and we still run youth leadership programs and, but my main focus is on helping as many people with communication and speaking and then taking those guys who want to take their speaking to world class, global standard and, and that's what I do. So you, when you say you've been doing this since you were 16, like how 
what did you start doing? You've been speaking since you were 16 or? So I think I need to go back a, a few years before 16. So I, I grew up in East London and I grew up with a father who was alcoholic. Um, but not only was he alcoholic, he used to beat up my mum and beat up me, my brother's sisters. So I'm known as what they call as a child who experienced domestic violence. Yeah. So in that context, you can become destructive, but I was also very constructive. Um, I experienced things as a child that you wouldn't wish on any child or adult. So I was sleeping on the streets of central London at the age of 11, 12, 13. I left home at the age of 15 after my uncle tried to kill me in the middle of the night. And all of these experiences, I mean, I talk about it now like I read them off my tongue, but when I left home at 15, it was the worst day of my life because it was my mum telling me to leave for my own safety. And I became angry, I became very confused, and I had people believing in me when I didn't believe in myself. So from the age of 15, I started helping other young people in youth centres, social services, and things like that. Literally because I was given a social worker and I was given a youth worker and I didn't think there was anything wrong. Interesting, I mean I shared with you that my background was in social work. Ten years prior to moving out to Dubai, I was a child protection social worker. So you're understanding that now I was at risk, right? Even though they moved me out and asked me to live with my aunt, um, I I got to a point where I was going in to youth centres and children's homes and I was doing great work. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to employ me, but I was only 16. And they started. Social services used to pay youth service for me, and youth services were paying expenses. And after a while, there's only so much McDonald's you can eat on expenses. <laughs> and they got loads of money together, and then they started paying for me to have training. So at 16, I went on a counseling course, loved it. But I found out that they weren't going to qualify me because I was too young. What do I do? So I went and did that same course for five years. And then what happened was I got involved in placements where I had to use counseling skills and I got involved with drugs projects. And five, six years later, when I got qualified, by that time, I'd set up counseling services in East London, drugs projects in there, and I was the chair of the mental health service from the like practitioners wow. at the age of 22. So, yeah, so when I say I've been doing what I do, Officially at 16, I was getting paid to run workshops, do talks. Back then, which is like about over 30 years now, it's, it wasn't cool speaking. It was like you're a trainer, you're this. But, uh, so then I started running youth programs. And I got very good at it at a very early age. I got involved with Tony Robbins and people like that. And then I helped create Tony Robbins, youth things, which like Discovery Camp back then. Been involved with that. I helped a lot of other um, successful people who wanted foundations. So, like, you know, one of our mutual friends, Greg Seger, when he created his foundation, came to me and said, Look, I want a youth program. So, I was, that's what I would do because that was my passion. But because of what I experienced with my mum and me leaving home, my own foundation had always been youth leadership, but it was definitely women's empowerment and it was always homelessness. And for the last 10 years, it's also been brought in trafficking because I believe that's the biggest challenge on the planet. So, my foundation takes care of those four factors. So that's the backstory between, you know, a kid from East London who left home at 15 and was always told one day you'd be a great leader. And I was like, hang on, I'm 20 years old, I've already got four or five years experience. And then I defined leadership as 
no, no longer is about wrongs. I just decided anybody, and I know that's your passion, anybody that's serving someone else, in my books, is a leader. So I would start saying, right, let's create not you for today, leaders of tomorrow, it was you for today, leaders of today. And then roll on the decades and we start to have young people running programs for young people. And right now our foundation impacts over a million young people because we've got hundreds of young people going on a leadership program and then they go and serve their own community. So what's the name of your foundation? Harry Singer Foundation. <laughs> it's not an egotistical part of it, but it was like, uh, I just needed to call it that because, you know, 99% nine, nine, nine of it's funded by a business owner. Okay, you're specifically focused in the UK. No, no. Um, so the other part of what I do is, uh, I'm surprised I haven't mentioned it already, when people talk about success and all the things that you achieved, I always say to people, we measure success different. And my measurement for success, for me personally, is my relationship with my wife. Because of what I went through as a young person, my wife was the first person that I even shared about what happened to me. I was busy helping so many people, but I wasn't taking care of myself. So the people that go on personal development programs, some people go to get these tools to help other people and don't care and take care of themselves. So my wife has been with the rock for me since I was like 20 years old. So she's the most important person. And now I created my life where what I was doing was constantly trying to make money so I could go to Africa, go to Asia. And back then I was training people as coaches. I was part of the first people in the coaching academy back in the UK. I was doing all youth leadership and personal development. So I was mixing the two together. And I used to try and raise about £20,000 to go and train and accredit a bunch of young people and people who work with young people to become accredited coaches so they could run. And I still live my life like that now where I hit five continents every single year. Asia, Africa, Australia, America, Europe. And I go there and I do two-week tours. And in those tours, I can do everything that I love doing, want to do, and it gives me all the time to spend with my family and pick and choose what to do. I'm so blessed now to create a system that allows me to live and serve on my terms. So that way, I can I have my youth leadership programs running on the tours, I can go and do my corporate work, I can work with my clients, I can run speaker training. So that's the sort of backdrop. It's, it's interesting because normally it's kind of the other way around. You 100%. create the wealth yeah, yeah. and you create this life that you've dreamed of and then you start giving back. Yeah. But you, it seems that a lot of what you have achieved has developed from you wanting to give back and you wanting to, like you say, kind of raise the funds to go out there so you've been... Wow, that's really that's, a, that's an interesting. I need to clarify something there because I think for your listeners and your viewers, it's I want to be open, I want to be transparent, I want to be real, be authentic in the sense of for the first 10 years of my life, I was helping people because I needed to help people so I could feel like I was something. And it was, I would just do it, do it, do it, and fall asleep at night. Until I turned my life around. Then I started doing it because I wanted to, it was a choice, and I've achieved even more. So I want you to understand that I know there's many people out there who love helping people, but they're not taking care of themselves. So there's a big distinction between wanting to help people and needing to help people. And it's very important that when we're running on empty, it can cause major problems. So, and also when you said I did the other end, for years people never understood my business. I didn't even understand my business. I was winging it, but at the same time, 
it was me making major mistakes, it was a challenge. But I now teach people that why should you wait till you're making millions and millions to then have a foundation? If your foundation is what drives you, then you can make even more. You just gotta make that asset allocation different. So most social entrepreneurs are driven by a social objective in the beginning. So I was a social entrepreneur before they even coined the term social entrepreneur. It's interesting, I just shared with you that I was at the Sharjah Entrepreneur Festival and there's been some amazing speakers there today. There's been Vishen from Mind Valley, who, who I believe you yeah, know, yeah. also Jim Quick. Yeah. And what you're saying just reminds me of something of what Vishen was saying during this talk is that you know sometimes you know you just trust the process and if you follow your passion and follow your dream, you know life just has a way of figuring everything else out and it seems that's kind of what's happened rather than just consciously kind of thinking about things too much. Yeah, because let's put it this way. Helping people doesn't require you to need money and all these other things because having a vision, wanting to impact, if you know there's a problem in humanity that you want to make a difference to, right now we live in a world where you can just share information, you can share posts, you can set up a Facebook group for women who have been trafficked and you can just start putting valuable information, you can start making awareness of organisations that help that and then it's a case of don't give what you don't have. Don't beat yourself up. Don't help for the sake of significance. Don't go, oh, I'm helping this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. I used to do that, I'm going to impact this and so on. And then it would be me and my wife that would suffer because I'd be remortgaging our property just to fund the things that I said I was going to do. Right? So those those are misguided. That's when you're driven by, like, I need to do it, I need to do it. I mean, people see I'm something. So giving and helping it should be a daily thing, it should be a ritual, it should be a lifestyle. And I always say leadership is not a role, it's a lifestyle. So self-leadership is also something that people need to understand. If you're not taking care of yourself, how are you going to keep serving them? Thank you. Your journey over the years has um, meant that you've shared the stage with some fantastic people. Mm. Um, like this weekend, we've had Gary Vee, we've had Juan Cardone. Um, there's a long, long list of people, you know, I so Richard Branson, he's one of them, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and many, many more. Oh. And you know what, and it's, I need to say it because I know people introduced because because I'm involved with Success Resources and some of the top promoters, it means by virtue of being with them, I, I get to share stages with these guys, and there are some that I get to do things with them, people that I've been involved in for years, that whole Tony Robbins family, you know, being able to speak on Tony's UPW stage, these all great highlights in my year, I mean my life, but then there are amazing people that people don't know. And those, you know, to me, my measurement is those that have been super successful in what they do based on what they see, my measurement of success with these guys are the people who are really making a difference, really service oriented. You know, you slice them in the middle, they got Authenticity. So, like when you mentioned Jim Quick, you know, Jim Quick met through social media and things like you know, superheroes. You know, when they call you a superhero, and all the, it's none of these people are looking for the titles. 
they're just what they do quietly, what they do privately, but it is important to publicly acknowledge them. So yes, I've had the play, my feet are firmly on the ground, right? So I see these people, I, I love them, I appreciate them, it's an honor to speak on the stage with them, but I never get into the comparison of all of that. It's, I'm humble, and I know some of the top people on the planet are speakers, they're very humble as well. Thank you. Is there anyone in particular that stood out? It doesn't have to be someone particularly famous, you know, that everybody's heard of, but, you know, anyone out there who you've had the pleasure of working alongside, sharing the stage with, that's really kind of touched you? Is there one person that you can think of? Yeah, there are a few. I mean, obviously, I can't not mention Tony now because, you know, being with Tony and learning from him through audio books and then doing things for him, it's, you know, I've been involved with the Tony Rogers family that over 26 years. I, I, I've never charged a single dollar for anything I've ever done. Because I remember there was a time in my fortune, I said, Tony gave me a fortune and I never repay. So I've always been paying for it. That's why I've been doing programs, we set up programs for an idiot for me. So when I get the opportunity to speak at his stage, that was like 18 years after I've been doing things. And that was like a huge honor because you've sort of gone full circle. And it isn't something that, you know, I go and shout back and go, you know, I did this. But people look at me and go, oh, he's having seen this record, Tony Robbins stage. So it was more important about doing something where you do it for the long haul. I invest in relationships. It's like if you go into a relationship with someone and say, oh, within two years I'm going to do X, Y, Z. No. Go in there and go, look, I'm going to keep adding value, keep serving. So but Tony's definitely in there. Robin Sharma is another person that you know, really connect with, relate to, because it's about leadership, and it's about service leadership. Um, there are speakers that aren't necessarily you know, amazing. Robin was in charge of. Is he there as well? Well, not this time, oh, okay. he was here right, last right, week. Right. I was going to say, I was sitting in the bathroom. Okay, there's people, but there are people who aren't necessarily known by everybody else, they're not necessarily in this multi-speaker circuit, so one person I would acknowledge is a lady called Kathy Barkley. Uh, Kathy Buckley is an American comedian. She's like, was known as the death. She's on your website. Yeah, so to me, she's like, she's one of these beautiful souls that have been sent on the planet to remind people how to love. Her, she, her overcoming adversity. Uh, and you know, many of these speakers, how people see them, to me, they're like brothers and sisters. Like even Nick Vujic, you know, just being with Nick in Texas where he spoke to 13,000 high school students while he was doing his bullying campaign. You know, people that have overcome adversity, but when they share their story, it's no longer about their story. It's about the message and the gift and using the platform to make a difference. So, yeah, I'm blessed. There are so many, um, but there are people that are like my own private clients. Like you've got a young guy called Sparsh Shop, 15 years old. All he had a goal was to, he wanted to, he wanted to sing and speak to a million people. And he has uh, what people know as brittle bonuses. About 500 operations and so on since he was about 12 years old. Now he's a professional speaker. And he finally got to speak and sing to a billion people because he went on one of the top Indian shows in India. He lives in New Jersey. And there's over a billion people watching this show. And then I think it was just last month he sang when the Indian Prime Minister went to America with Trump. And he was that kid in there doing all these things. So there are people like that. I can read them off. There are women that I work with who you know, go into refuges where other women have been trafficked and rescued. 
and they do great work. So, as well as the well-known ones, I can, there's just so many around me who, you know, these are my heroes and heroes. That's amazing, thank you. Uh, what do you do in your life to, um, do you have any rituals that you do, like daily rituals that you do to keep your kind of mind active or to keep yourself yeah. mentally <laughs> on form? You know, you do a lot of so the presupposition there that my mind is on the form. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, a lot of high performers do have rituals that yeah, interest yeah. me. I mean, is there anything in particular that you do? It's funny, we had literally had a conversation this morning with my client and he was asking the same thing. There is something I do every morning and it's it's a ritual that just came by habit, it's something and it's it's been conditioned. So I always have people joke about it, it's like because I travel quite a bit, I always say the moment I wake up the first question in my head is, where am I? Right? And as soon as I know where I am, I immediately go into, I know what I've conditioned myself to be the first question. But as soon as I know where I am, I, I go into breathing. I just do a lot of deep breathing. And because, you know, that helps me, you know, you open your eyes. I, as crazy as it sounds, I start doing eye exercise. It makes you look up, look down, because I just want to get myself, and, you know, I'm not even out of bed. And the first question I go into is, because depending on where I am, it's the same question. Now, the first thing is, how can I actually add more value today? So if I'm at home, and I'm with my wife and my kids, it's like, how can I add more value today? And if I'm going to be meeting people, how, if I'm not at home, and I'm here, I wake up in the morning, where am I? Oh, I'm in the Shangri-La, I'm in Dubai, okay, I know where I am. Because literally I was in a different hotel yesterday, right? And then I go, okay, cool, I've got, I've got my new client, and today we're going to focus on doing how can I add more of that? How can I turn up better? What can I make sure I drink or, you know, do I hydrate? Do I do this? How can I add more of that? How can I give you more than you possibly explain? And to me, that's how I, one of the rituals that I start with. And then I get up, then I stretch, then I go and do all these other bits and pieces. And I don't turn my phone around. Until I've done all those bits and pieces. So that's one of the rituals. Um, but I think I, I literally have... not turning your phone on is another ritual. Oh, 100%. Well. There, there are li- these are the things that, the little <laughs> things, it's what you do and what you don't do. But when you ask me rituals, and you were thinking, what rituals do you have to keep? I was, the first thing that came to my head is, uh, I'm a crazy football fan and I follow Arsenal. Yeah, yeah. Following Arsenal, I don't know if it's good for my mental health or not right now, but I miss the games when I'm not there, but even when I'm not there, you know, I've still got my Arsenal shirt on and it's got my. So there are things that I have that, you know, I, I love being with my family um, and then I just love what I do. The people that I work with, I get to pick and choose who I work with. So I'm working with people who are making a massive difference to communities and by me helping them become great speakers and making sure they can create an income from it and be a world-class standard, I'm investing in them. So they're like Motaz Mashal, who mentioned him. Motaz Mashal is probably the number one speaker across the Arab world, taking a personal very program, delivering it in Arabic. So he delivers these events like five or six times in different countries to like 500,000, like 500 and 700 and 1,000 people different. By me investing and helping him, you see all those thousands of people? Are you Motaz's coach? Part of that, yeah. But now incredible. it's like, see, I don't, even, I don't even call it coaching, but once I've spent a year with someone on an intensive, we become partners, we become yeah. family. So what that means is, you know, Motaz is the first person to tell you who his mentor is and so on. That's me. But now I can go behind the scenes. 
So I'll be with him in a few days. He's in Jordan next month. When I can make it my schedule, I will be there because I know the impact that they make. I had the pleasure of hearing him speak actually at an event. In fact, it was the Lisa Nichols event. He was on stage. The Coca-Cola Ring one? No, it was, I can't remember where it was, but it was in April. I think it was April this year. So yeah, he was speaking at that event. It was an event. And you got to feel his heart. He was fantastic, yeah, yeah, fantastic. Um, so a lot of people talk about mentors, and like if you want to achieve greatness, and if you're not surrounding yourself with, you haven't got a good peer group around you, you know, make sure you get yourself a good mentor. Uh, what's your view on that? Yeah. Um, have you had any, you know, you're the mentor for, for, for a lot of successful speakers out That's there. Have right. you had any particular mentors yourself? They were talking about mentoring, being a mentor and so on. It's actually, it's really important. I want to make sure I get this message across to people. Um, when I started out 30 years ago, wanted to be a speaker, there was nobody that I could go to like, yeah. a speaker. And many of them were not even in the UK and so on. So it was like, you just wing it, you get on with it. And people are still doing that today. People mm. are winning it. And some people are really great. You get on with it, but they, they don't know how they're doing it. Right? And it's, it's this fake it till you make it mentality. But now as a mentor, I've been, you know, I go in and do consultancy for governments, I go and do it for companies and so on, but the one thing I want to distinguish is this, a mentor, people look at a mentor, someone who's doing what you want to do. But that's not enough anymore, because you can find someone. Do you care? How long has it been enough? About 30 minutes. Your video will tell you how to look. We'll just start again from the question. That hasn't been off long, has it? That no, just went off. Just went off there. I think so. I've been carrying weights a little bit. It's happened once before. Today, that has helped you get where you are today. 
So my, my take on it about mentoring, one thing I really want to get across is that when we think of mentoring, it's usually we're looking for someone who's doing what we want to do. And when I started out 16, 17, 18, 19, and I was like, cool, who, it wasn't a case of you go and find someone that's doing it. One, it used to be like, oh, it's going to cost us money. But I sometimes find mentors, some usually are the people that are already around you rather than going and searching. And the key distinction I want to get across to a lot of people is just having someone who's doing what you want to do is not enough. You definitely want to be around those people. But there's an extra few criteria what makes an effective mentor. And that is this. So if I look at myself, I'm speaking, I speak global, I can I make an income from speaking, I'm around other speakers, and I have some I have the lifestyle that most people might want as a speaker. But what if I couldn't show other people how to do it? So this is that point where not only does the person need to be doing what you want to do, they need to be able to show you how to do it. They need to be someone who can coach you as well as just be a mentor, someone that's doing it. And then there's a third part I found out. If I started to coach and mentor people to start their business or develop their speaking business, so Karen, so if I wanted to show some, if I told them to do what I did when I started out, they'd be lost. So there's three parts to it. One, the person has to be doing what you want to do, or at a level or in that area that you want to do. Second, they have to be able to show you how to do it. And the third thing, they have to be able to show you how to do it from where you're at. And this is what I find is many of the people that I work with privately or even through group programs, especially the ones that want to become professional speakers, they look at me and they think, oh, you haven't got this, you haven't, because I don't need it. I'm at a different level. So for example, I don't need to do certain things because I've got endorsements for people, I've got my market, I've got my thing, but then I have to be aware of that and think, oh, they can't do what I'm doing and I can't do what they're doing. So you have to know what you're doing. You have to be able to show people how to do it. You have to be able to show them how to do it from where they're at. So that's my take on mentoring. When it comes to me and my mentor, I look at mentors. It's a bit different with coaches and mentors as overlap. I look at a mentor as someone who's telling me what to do. I look at mentors as consultants. So if I want to do Facebook advertising, I'm going to get myself a consultant, someone who is doing it, doing it well, is getting results, and they can show other people how to do it. They can show other people, they can show me, but they need to know where I'm at, so so I have people in that area and then you talk mentors are like life mentors some of my clients turn around and go Harry Laker you're not my speaker coach anymore you're like my life mentor you've helped me when I had before I got married you had you you looked after me in this transition when I went from a you know a small business to a multi-million and they just go this guy has been there for me over the years. Remember, most of the young people that went through youth leadership programs, they're now 28, 30 years old, running businesses, they're like, oh, he's my mentor. People are like, oh, is he your speaker coach? They go, no, he's just my mentor. So we have this concept of who do we look out to, how do we model, and, and you know, Tony Robbins there, Deepak Chopra's there, Wayne Dyer's there, getting to meet these people, but now it's more a case of it's like mastermind. People who are playing at the top of their game, they may not necessarily be the people that I want to do what they do, 
it's more for me. That documentary is how do they keep me to a standard? And people like, uh, there's a guy like Mac Hatcher, a lot of people know this guy, travels around the world speaking, talks of business, but he'll hold me to a standard because it's about, you become the expectation of your peer group. So that is another part of, um, are they mentors in life mentors? And then you look up to people. A mentor for me is Princess Diana. So, did she teach me how to speak? No. Did she sit me down and tell me what to do? No, it's how she lived her life. So there are many people like that for me. training market was I saw a few speaker trainers training loads of people to become speakers and many of them never really made it and because they misunderstood the training and so on so on I wanted to you know if you ever get upset or something you've got to do something about it and because I was in the speaking industry it's a bit like the life coaching industry something like a million coaches and every coach was telling you the same thing so when I saw a speaker, I wanted to do something about it. I thought, okay, I'm training my private clients, speaking and doing things, so let's take this market. But I was very clear, you only got so much time you can invest into doing things. And especially if I prioritize time with my family. So I just thought, you know what? There are people, speaking is huge. It's like the most lucrative industry from an income standpoint. But it's also when you break it down to communication. So if you want to give speaker training to someone who is using speaking at a presentation in their job, you want to go to a student who has to do a presentation, you've got someone in a business who's pitching, but they don't see themselves as a professional speaker. They're not doing it to go and make money. They're just thinking, I need to be able to speak in groups. And all these people that think they have a fear of public speaking, I don't believe there's any such thing as a fear of public speaking. I actually do believe it's a fear of public shaming. So when you realize that, you can actually address it differently without any going off on a tangent. What I decided was, how can I help loads of people and then focus on one group? So what I did was, People who want to become professional speakers, from a business perspective, someone who wants to earn an income from it, they need to invest into that area. So there, from a business perspective, that's where I'll focus my energy of my actual time, giving group programs or private one-to-one. So I thought, well, what about all these people that want speaker training, but they don't want to become professional speakers? I thought, let me give massive value and keep it at a low investment so I created a program called Become a Better Speaker. Whether it's at school, whether it's at home, whether it's in your church, whether it's in your community, or whether it's your work and so on. Because these people just want some tools. 
And I always have three parts of anything I do. Number one, how to create content. How to create content, how to create the presentation or even the communication. And I have key things that you need to do to make that world class. The second is delivery. Delivery is the actual presentation skills, how to engage, how to transform, how to get what you want. And if you want to be delivering like the top speakers. The third part is how to earn an income. So most, there are some people who go, I want to learn how to make an income. But I still teach them to them anyway because it isn't about making money, it's about realizing there's an income there that you can tap into and you can use it for not-for-profit distribution. But most people that just want those few skills don't want all the rest of it. So I created like a 21-day challenge. I, I have a one-day program called Become a Better Speaker and I love it because it's me giving so much value in person you know, and I build it into my talks. So there are a whole group of people who just want to become a better speaker and I'm a big fan of your program should say what they do. So anybody that wants to become a better speaker, that's for them. Anyone that says, look, I want to become a greater speaker, a world-class speaker, and earn an income and make it a professional business, then that's a different thing. It's a bit like someone coming to me and I'm a driving instructor. Someone wants to become a Formula One driver versus someone who says, I want to be an Uber driver. So no disrespect to either, but they're going to need different things to get there. So that's why I made that decision. What does it take to earn an income? Oh, wow. Here you go. I got it, right? So these people ask me is, I say, most people think there's only one way to earn income. And that's like you get paid a fee. I have a model called FBI. There's three ways to earn income. And one is F, which stands for fee. So you're basically charging a fee when you're charging $500 or $50,000. The only way you can earn more money is a fee. A fee-based professional speaker is you have to increase your fee or you have to get lots more gigs. I don't want to get hundreds and hundreds of gigs to take me away from my family, right? So most people, that isn't what they set out to do. I'm going to be a professional speaker and I make money for my family, but you've got to do 100 gigs a month. It's just not, it's not the most viable. And it's, when you think about time for money, it's on the low end. So if you are a fee-based speaker, you have to increase your fee or you have to get more gigs. Those are the skill sets you need. But then you've got B, B is called back-end. And back-end simply means that you can go and speak and you don't have to charge a fee. That you can speak in larger groups to communities that may not have the resources to pay you to speak. But now you can sell a product. Because if you're, if you're like starting out and maybe charging $500, if you've got 500 people in the room and you've got a book, and 100 people buy your book for $20, oh, it's $2,000. And people are like, oh, this is ceiling. It's just broken. That's why this speaking industry is so lucrative. In 90 minutes, you can sell a $2,000 product to 5,000 people and 1,000 people buy it. You're in the minutes. That's why you have this speaking industry, right? So that's backing. I mean, you have, so even when you're starting out, just like you, got, you, you have a podcast, you have a series of interviews, you could go and speak. And if you've got a podcast with these amazing people, including Harry Singer, you can then put it together and go, hey, this podcast is like $20. If you've got 500 people in the room, it's there. And it's something that people want. So that's the back end. The I in the FBI is invitation. It's the one I do most of all. I will go to an event. I will just add massive value. But I will tell everybody, this is who I am. And this is what I do. For example, I'm Harry Singer, the speaker coach. 
and I help people who have a passion of speaking and transform their passion of speaking into a professional speaking business. Now, I'm talking to the whole world and say, this is what I do. And then I add loads of value and I say, those of you who are interested, go to my site, fill a form in, check all the free stuff, do the work. If you want to work with me, fill a form in and let's see what do. I don't have to have a sales team in the bank, I don't have to have anything, and that's where I pick up my clients. One of my questions was going to be about second stage, mm. because you host, um, you go to a lot of these events, and second stage is a huge thing, yeah. very, very lucrative. Yeah. And you have different degrees of... Uh, From soft selling to cracking selling to sales process. I'll be totally honest with you, as a salesperson, um, the, the whole process fascinates me. And, um, you know, I've seen some, you know, the likes of Andy Harrington is extremely good at that. And um, I've seen him do it. And the first time you go to these events and you're not familiar with it, it really is. Like, these people are making you feel like if you don't buy their course, then you're not going to succeed. <laughs> it's like total psychology. But then the more events you go to, the more kind of you understand the process and you know I just love watching people watching people leg it to the back of the room <laughs> um, but it was interesting at this event at, at NAC um, you know the National Achievers Congress um, I was really surprised by Ty I don't know why but I'd formed a, a judgment of Ty Lopez I absolutely loved it and I love the fact that it didn't come in with the hard sell Neither did Grant. Um, he didn't come in with that hard sell either. Um, but then you had, you know, a couple of other speakers that did, like John Lee, and you know, I'm pretty sure there's so many people. I mean, it works because I think more people bought John. Oh, if you look to the back, it appeared that more people have bought John's course. I mean, what's your view on this hard sell? Is this are these methods that that you adopt? Um. The answer to the question, are these methods that I adopt? The short answer to the question is yes. Um, but I think I do them differently and on different scales. Um, so what does that mean? Um, the process that people use, it helps you achieve an outcome. Um, you have to understand in this industry, people are not this industry, they're not promoters and say, oh, there's all these people selling, selling, selling. But the promoters put in so much money to hire a venue, you've got to realize it's millions goes in. Um, and to bring in some of the top speakers, the big name speakers, they're being paid a fee to go, right? That's why they don't have to sell. So if you imagine you're a promoter and you just put in $5 million to put in a venue, you're going to need speakers to come in who are going to sell. Because then you're going to take a cut from them. That's the only way to do it. That's how, in one side of the coin, it's many people are getting to hear people like Richard Branson, Tony Robbins and so on. So there has to be a business model because the promoters are doing it. It's a business, right? It's not a charity. When it comes to the individuals using that sales process, it works. It's very important people need to understand it. And I always teach people to be authentic. If it feels right for you and that's what you do, go ahead and do it. Um, you also have to make sure what you're delivering has to be of value. Uh, so there are some speakers, you know, like uh, John Lee. John Lee does a hard sell, but John Lee delivers. John Lee's products and program make a difference in people's lives, right? So I've known him a long time and so on. Uh, when it comes to me, I personally want to advocate that you can sell 
and it doesn't have to be solved. Um, but my model isn't like, I don't need 500 people to come attend events and things like that. It depends on who you are and what you want to do. You have to have a certain team behind you. But I want to point this across. The process that is used, it's really, and I teach my clients, the same systems and processes that you have to have people running to the back of the room to buy a product is the exact same system and process you need to take a thousand young guys who are carrying guns and in the end of the event, put their guns down and carry pencils. Because it's the art of influencing. And sometimes people need to be pushed, but it's, I think what you're saying, I hear a lot of people, it's just a line that people go past. And it's okay. It's even Tony Robbins. Tony Robbins could sell harder, which is not. Tony Robbins, and that's his value system. He wants to do it his way. Yeah, it makes billions, but could be making more. So people do what they do, hopefully they'll Yeah, I think in the presentation, if you're giving value, I, we mentioned John Lee, don't need to focus on him, I'll single him out, but he gives a lot of value, gives yeah. a lot of free value in his presentation. So even if you don't buy his course, you're gonna go away from that with you know some really good actionable tips that you can take away and that you can here's, buy. Here's the flip side. There will be some people that will think, oh, it's sold too really hard. And there are some people that will go on those programs, take the content, and it will transform their lives, emotionally, spiritually, and financially. And they will they might be the people that go, hey, you know what? To whoever the speaker is, he or she will go, had you not pushed me that way, I probably wouldn't have gone there. So there is two sides to it. So I'm not here to knock speakers or knock the system um, and or even the industry. But I do know that I've been in the industry for over 35 years and I'm now seeing that there aren't as many people that have got the authenticity there. But it, we know the few good ones, but it's like, I'm not here to complain. I'll make the difference. I'll influence the industry while I'm still here and so So um, there's yin and yang to it. And it's education, you know, and education should be continuous. I know when I finished, I spent so long at university many years ago. I did a three-year degree, then I did a two-year MA. And I remember coming up there and I had, this is just, I'm going to wrap up anyway, because we've been changed for a while. I can't this happen. I've got to get sick. I said it's 10 minutes. so much money on their education. I remember I did a three-year degree, two-year MA, and I had the opinion when I finished my studies that that's it, I'm not going to read another book, mm. and, you know, I've done my bit, and really that should have just been the beginning. And the thing is, like, so many people out there, I did a university course and an MA course that 
wasn't really aligned to me. Um, so my education really started outside of the traditional forms of, of university, but because I studied for so long, and probably because I hate, I didn't particularly enjoy it. I was just doing it because I felt that that's what I had to do. Um, you know, it wasn't until I really started learning again, and I've only just started in, like investing in more courses really like um, in the last couple of years and it's helped me massively and um, and it is something I, look, I haven't there's a, a big industry for this in, in, in the Middle East you know I'm part of WhatsApp groups with over about three different groups all with people that are you know with over 100 people on some of these groups all interested in personal development and they spend so much money on these like you know they really are like seminar junkies um i wouldn't say i'm, I'm to that extreme but i think you've got to be very selective about who you choose to work with about what you spend your money on but i think it's so important that if you want to kind of progress and to develop um well, I covered, I covered that. When I spoke at NAC, my bit was about mindset. And one of the bits about mindset is spenders versus investors. You made a great point. You know? Many people go to university, especially in the UK and so on. You go to university, it's £9,000 a year, or it's like £20,000, £30,000 put into it. People are coming out of that degree going, yeah, they a great time, but more what they do with this. So at the same time, People go, someone's charging you £10,000 for a program, and they're like, ugh, but yet, you just give £30,000 to come out with a couple of letters after you, right? So, guarantees and jobs. The real thing is this there are people paying for education, and there are people paying for courses and programs, and then there are people who are investing. The people who are investing are very clear about the outcome of the an investor would never go into a degree course and come out there with nothing. Right? So this mindset, many people come to me, and when they invest with me, I always say that my ideal clients are investors. They're not paying for me, they're paying for the transformation of the programs that I have and what they can deliver them. And they're looking for a greater return than what they've invested. So what that means is, I'm not cheap. I charge six figures for some of my clients to work with me for a year. And one thing to be clear is I also can deliver a program for like a hundred dollars. It's not about me, that's not my work. It's the value of the program and what it is who I want to give it to. What I deliver in a day, it can be more value than someone's charging thousands for. But it's for that specific market I'm going to do. But when it comes back to this, investing in ourselves should be the biggest thing we do. But you're absolutely right. Be selective, but don't pay. Investing in yourself means going in there and going, I'm going to invest this, what am I getting out? What are the, like, don't just go, I've got a course. Because many providers, and I'm not going to knock people on mention name, many people go, hey, you'll go on this course and you'll get a certificate at the Great! That's like the university stuff, that's like the education type system. You had the course, what do you like? Didn't guarantee you're going to make money from it, didn't guarantee you any comments from it, I just gave you a system, you've got to work it. So my comments is like, you know, like I spend all day with this guy here, you know, he's going to get results. So that's what it is, we're in a results game. And if you're investing in yourself, that return on investment is tenfold. You should be expecting a lot more because 
whether you're investing in speaking, whether you're investing in training, whether you're investing in social media, whether you're investing in social media. If you're going to invest in social media so you have a million followers and you don't do anything with it, did you invest so you could become famous? If you did, and you do, you got it. But if you invested in social media to get a return, to get income, to, then you've got to put the work in, but you've really got to be investor mindset. Look, if I'm putting in 5,000, I want at least 10,000 back. If I'm investing 100,000, then this thing should be able to give me more. So think of it like that. Do not, do not question whether investing in yourself is a good idea. Mm-hmm. For people that would like to work with you who live in the Middle East, how is that? How does that work? You travel over here a lot? Well, right now, um, because Motaz Michal is a client of mine, a partner of mine, I have another young guy um, who is a successful business owner in Palestine. He was in Jordan. He's another client of mine. This guy here, like I said, Mohammed, um, he is a successful businessman from Yemen. I have a young lady who is a senior mechanical engineer in Abu Dhabi. She's the only female in like a team of 500 people. They're all amazing speakers. They all want to take it to the next level. They're all service oriented. And I realized, hang on, I'm putting in so much energy here just because I started with my transmission. I've decided the next two or three years for me will be putting my energy into the Middle East and UAE. So I'll be running lots more one day speaker training programs. I'm actually going to do train the trainer for some of my partners and clients to deliver my programs in Arabic because I don't speak Arabic fully and you're picking up a few bits and pieces. So it's the same, you know, you go on harrysinger.com, but more importantly, you know, connect with the guys I've already mentioned. Uh, I will be here because I will go to every Arabic speaking country with Motos Michel. Uh, same thing with Nord from uh, Jordan. And, you know, you can, what you already do. Mm-hmm. Many of the promoters, many of the speakers, like just reeled off a whole bunch of people who are like 30 minutes down the road from us, and they're all here. Some are coming because they have a misunderstanding of the market, some are coming because they serve. So while I'm learning about the, the market here, I'm learning about culture, I'm learning about speak, training speakers who are delivering in Arabic. So much that goes into it, because when you translate it from English to Arabic, there's so many changes to it. It's about how you deliver, what this culture like. So I've had that investment in there, still learning. So for people in the Middle East, UAE, I'm here. For the next two or three years, I'm going to be concentrating on making sure I raise a generation of great speakers and orators to help them in their life. And the ones that want to do it from a business perspective, it's the same thing. Choose whether you want to become a better speaker, professional speaker. And the simple thing is, everything's on the website, but for people who want to become a professional speaker, there's an application for them. I select who's going to programs because it ain't easy. And I'm looking for people who bring, in, bring out the best in me. So if they don't do the work, what's the point of investing in them? I'm not going to do that. Right? But I'm also interested in those that have a social objective behind them as well. Okay, that's fantastic. Where can people find you, Harry? Harrysinger.com. Right. Harrysinger.com. Instagram, Facebook. Yeah, it's all on this. I think with this, with some of them, it's Harry Singer, the speaker coach. But if you put Harry Singer, you'll find it on Instagram. Um, it's there. But it's like, you know, definitely check out those guys that say, like, if you're following Montez Michelle, especially if you're in the Middle East, come he's, to one of his events. He's a very big name over here. Huge. So, Huge. you know, and I don't think a lot of people realize that you've coached him. So, you know, that's I always, fantastic. I, this thing's an interesting. I always said I can watch speakers and know who they've been trained by. Mm-hmm. 
and someone else that did that, the radio in the UK, you said that once, how do people know who's betrayed by you? And I remember the first thing that came out of my mouth, I said, they know. <laughs> so I thought, now I've got to back it up. And I said, why? Because I train speaker coaches with the systems and tools, and then I ask them to be authentic. That brings in them, and it's authentic with purpose. So even if there are things that we say, oh, this is something that we advise them to do, but if you're going to do it, let's compensate for it, make sure you actually achieve the purpose. So I'm more interested in growing speakers and letting them be celebrities in their area. But um, for those people in their community, they're not exactly right That's great, fantastic. Thank you so much for being a guest, Harry. Really appreciate your time today.